Well, guess what, everybody? We're back from Comic-Con. We survived. From, we survived. We made mm -hmm. it out alive. Yes. It's kind of like mm -hmm. Escape from New York a little bit. Getting it out really of is. It is. I feel a little bit like Snake Plissken yeah. trying to deliver either the president or his tape. Yeah, and literally you could be chased by him at Comic-Con. <laughs> Uh, but it was, uh, it's always a fun time. It's always insanely crowded, but, uh, we always have a great time at the panel as we, as we did with Rick Myers. The Kung Fu panel and, was great. Uh, we, yeah. We did really fun. Recorded an episode with him. That'll be out, uh, next week, next week. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to do a whole Comic-Con kind of wrap up and talk about the trailers yeah. and other things that that'll we be a did separate it. episode. That'll be a separate episode. That'll be in two weeks. It'll be with Neil. Mm-hmm. Um, also at Comic-Con, I did an episode of Doug Loves Movies. Really? Who did you do that with, Graham? Well, I fumbled upon a, uh, a, a gentleman that I coerced into coming to this, to this show today. Well done. <laughs> Snake Plissken delivered me. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is the, uh, the dulcet tones of Mr. Leonard Malton. Hello. Thank you for being on the show. I'm happy to be here, guys. We uh, Great to have I too, you. I, too, survived Comic-Con, mm -hmm. and that is the way I, I put it. And my daughter and I, who were there together. Yeah, you were telling me you did a uh, bunch of programs down there. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. we did. We ha And we had a good time. Mm -hmm. So don't misunderstand. We had a good time. Yeah. But we were exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. That's Comic-Con in it's, a nutshell. Yeah. It's great, but I, I'm done and I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm, <laughs> I'm always, like, glad to be home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, because we've... It would be a little more manageable with about 75,000 less people. <laughs> yes. No one would argue that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, Leonard, we have been on Doug Loves Movies several times. Yes. We've had your uh, podcast in the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then you did one with Baron Vaughn, uh, a that, podcast with him. It was him. my original partner mm -hmm. when we were doing it at Earwolf. Yes. And then we transitioned over to the Nerdist Network. Mm -hmm. And and Baron got too busy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a first world uh, problem. He became too successful. <laughs> he's servo on the new, you know, uh, Mystery Science Theater. Uh, he's a regular on Grace and Frankie, mm -hmm. uh, with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, and other things kept uh, coming his way. And he's a new father to to boot. Yeah. So, oh, that's right. Oh, so we have uh, nothing but you know good feelings about about Baron, but. My daughter, Jessie, started filling in when he couldn't make a particular mm -hmm. podcast gig, and she's good. And what's more, she's gotten better, and now she's great, and she's actually embarrassing me because <laughs> she's, she's so good. She's yeah. such a natural. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we are – and we did our first live show, live-to-tape show, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, uh, exactly two years ago at Comic-Con oh, with okay. Doug. Doug was nice. our first guest, Doug Benson. So uh, that's our little anniversary. But Doug yeah. Benson is the is the through line because I you know was on that show early on when we would play the Leonard Malton game mm -hmm. back when right. we play that. Mm -hmm. Now we play Last Man Stanton, which I'm not as good at, and therefore I don't like it. Because <laughs> yeah. I was very good at the Leonard Malton game. I was mm -hmm. not. <laughs> I was notoriously the worst player of the Leonard Malton game, consistently so. It, you know, I have a lot of facts in, stashed in my brain. But uh, retrieving them in in a nonlinear kind of way is hard for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I never know plot lines. I can never remember cast order, things right. like mm -hmm. that. So I was not I would, a not a star in that uh, I was in, always, in that galaxy. I was always hit or miss on it. Like I would do well sometimes. Like I did well when it was you and Will Anderson. We did it at the Improv. But then 
There was one when I was on with like Sam Levine, and I was like, "Well, Sam yeah. is a freak of nature when <laughs> yeah. it comes to having photographic memory, I guess you'd yeah. call it, for all that detail." Mm-hmm. So I stand in awe of him. I didn't. I just tried to beat him, and I did quite often. <laughs> <laughs> so, Leonard, now you're new to the movie review game, and uh, so you've only been doing this for a few years. Do you, yeah. So, uh, do you go? Uh, do you like yeah, movies? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You started like two, three years ago, I'm guessing? I have lost track. Yeah. <laughs> now, how many books do you have now? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's, it's 11 or 12. I've kind wow. of lost track. Uh, not to count all the years I did the annual movie guide, which mm-hmm. was kind of my calling card for many, many years. For 45 years, to be precise. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that retired several years ago, though we still have a so, so, sort of a personal uh, uh, permanent edition that is still available. I mean, there's 16,000 movie reviews in there. And the fact that we can't keep up now with the more, more current releases doesn't negate the fact we have 16,000 movie reviews in there. Right. So that's, that's still in print, as is my uh, classic movie guide, which is presented by Turner Classic Movies mm-hmm. and which is... Uh, consists of films made 1965 and earlier, right? back into the silent film era. And I have a brand new book. Since you asked, yes, I, did. I, I have I a brand, brand spanking new book called Leonard Maltin's... My brain is just not functioning today. It's called Hooked on Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an anthology of my writings and interviews dating back to my teenage years oh, wow. when I used to publish a fanzine I don't know if everybody knows what that is. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yeah. once upon a time, before the internet, that's what, that's what people did. Mm-hmm. They wanted to express themselves. Chris Gore could tell us all about it. Oh, he you sure know, could. Film Threat. Yeah, he mm-hmm. gets it. Mm-hmm. And Film Threat was, was a perfect example of a fanzine. Yes. An amateur magazine. And uh, mostly those were labors of love. Nobody got rich out of that, on, on any end of that. But when I took over... Film Fan Monthly from its founder when I was 15 years old, uh, it became my life. I mean, suddenly school seemed very dull <clears throat> in, in contrast to, to editing and publishing and licking stamps and stuffing envelopes right. <laughs> for my own magazine where nobody could tell me what to print, what not to print. It's a very heady feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you first start to, when did you say, I want to be a professional movie reviewer? I never said that, to be, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't count the, the, the movie guidebook because those reviews were so uh, brief, so encapsulated. Right. And the first time we did the book, my editor, we had 8,000 reviews in the first edition. And my beloved editor, who opened this doorway to me, uh, said, uh, keep them really short, very tight, telegraphic-style writing. Don't worry about complete sentences or, or syntax. Just get the point across. And so we, we took him at his word, and we, we made them as short as possible. And I spent the next 40 years expanding, <laughs> rewriting, adding cast names, and uh, gen- generally fattening up the book a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, but I never th- thought of myself as a reviewer somehow. Based on that, when I went to college, when I went to NYU, I signed up for the daily newspaper. We had a pretty professional daily paper at NYU in those days. And uh, I quickly became the film critic 
there. And that was the first time I'd ever written a, a legitimate film review mm-hmm. lasting more than one paragraph. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when I graduated, the, several buddies of mine were working for a freebie newspaper, an entertainment freebie newspaper and, uh, called Good Times. They got pretty big circulation. They, they, they dropped it all over the five boroughs of New York City. And uh, so it had a readership. Uh, I think they paid a very, very token-ish fee. I can't remember what it was now, but uh, not enough to make a living from, not enough to eat lunch from necessarily. Mm-hmm. But it was a place, a, a place to, to write, a place to be seen. And, uh, and that's the first time I thought, well, I guess I'm a film critic now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's not what I sought. My, my initial interest and the reason I wrote a fanzine was film history. That's what captured me as a young person, as a child, really. Because uh, in those days, everything I say makes me sound like I'm from the Cro-Magnon era. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm a child, I'm a baby boomer, and I'm a child mm-hmm. of the first TV generation. Mm-hmm. And in those days, which is to say the 1950s and into the 1960s, what they did to fill up airtime on all the channels we had in the New York area was show old movies. Mm. and more old movies, and then more old movies. And for Kitty Entertainment, they showed old comedy shorts, Laurel right. and Hardy, mm-hmm. The Little Rascals. Three Stooges. And later, The Three Stooges came mm-hmm. into the picture. And, uh, and then tons and tons of old cartoons, Max mm-hmm. Fleischer cartoons, uh, every studio imaginable. And I just soaked that up like a sponge. And and what I what I wasn't getting, and then Walt Disney watching Walt Disney host his weekly TV show, but what I wasn't getting from any of that was information about them. And for some reason I can't explain, I was curious. I wanted to know more about these films and the people who made them. So I went to my local library. I used to spend a lot of time in my local library, which was walking distance of my house in New Jersey, and I, I took out every book I could, and there weren't many. Mm-hmm. There really weren't many. I remember being 11 or so when finally a book came out on Laurel and Hardy, and a, and a great book uh, uh, that told their whole story. Uh, and then a couple of years later, a, a great book came out on Buster Keaton by a, a jazz critic named Rudy Blesch, who had access to Buster and his wife and you know, got a lot of inside stuff. As one by one, these books arrived, and they, it was like manna from heaven. You know, <laughs> now I can actually learn about them. And uh, but when it came to animation, there was still virtually nothing. So I started trying to write down credits as I was watching cartoons and drawing some of my own conclusions from them. Some of those turned out to be sound. Some of them turned out to be unsound. But and then later, other people joined the. Uh, the quest to learn about all the guys who made these cartoons. And eventually I wrote a book called Of Mice and Magic, still in print, uh, about the history of American animated cartoons. And I got to meet, I got to meet Chuck Jones mm. and Frizz Freeling. And uh, I met a guy named Al Eugster whose first job in the 1920s was inking in Felix the Cat. Oh, wow. I mean, uh, mm. other guy, at first, other people were animating him, but they still had to fill in the black ink. He filled mm. in the black ink. He was an inker. Uh, and then he graduated to being an animator. 
This uh, is when you know cartoons were every frame was drawn. Right, that's right. Filled in. This was no, 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 no. Way. Computers were long yeah. in the future, way in the future. I met Walter Lance, the creator of Woody Woodpecker. Yeah, wow. And host of his own weekly TV show, and he actually did every week on the Woody Woodpecker show a behind-the-scenes segment. And every week they'd focus on something else: how we do soundtrack, how we. Uh, prepare uh, sheets for the, I can't remember what they call them, dialogue sheets for the animators so they could see what the dialogue was and how many frames it would take to say, okay, Woody. And, and they, they'd show you how they matched lip movement and things like that. I just, I found all of this mesmerizing. And, and I just got deeper and deeper and deeper into it. The, the way some kids do, you know, into baseball statistics, right, you know, right. or, or something like that. I never saw anything unusual about it. But there weren't animator cards or filmmaker cards you could collect. <laughs> More, more's the pity. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, there were. <laughs> Is there ever been a movie that you gave a review to, like, severely one way or the other? Yeah. And later went, man... My opinion changed. That movie's not as great as I thought it was. Or, you know, it's not as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. The, the, the perfect example I can give you was Alien. I was actually on a book tour, and I saw Alien without my wife uh, in a Boston media screening in a theater. And I'm a wimp. Okay? I, I put it out there. I'm just, I'm just a wimp <laughs> when it comes to any kind of graphic horror stuff. So... I kept chewing on my jacket while watching that movie. Uh, normally, I would be giving my wife bruises on her elbow. <laughs> she still has some from Jaws uh, <laughs> a long time ago. And uh, I, uh, I just did not enjoy myself. It was an interesting story and all that, but well acted, well crafted, but I didn't enjoy it. So I gave a kind of a middling review. 25 years later, uh, still, still before video had overtaken the world, Ridley Scott reissued the film theatrically. Oh, Fox reissued the film theatrically. Mm -hmm. And Ridley Scott made a few tweaks. Not much, just a few little tweaks to the film. And I went to see it again. And in those 25 years, first thing, I'd become more inured to some of the <laughs> violence and some of the, some of the kind of uh, horror elements that are in the film. Secondly, there had been so many rip-offs. Right. Not just, you know, sequels and remakes and all that, but, but actual rip-offs that a lot of it was no longer, you know, innovative necessarily. Sure. But I watched that film and said, this is a great movie. This is a really masterful piece of movie making, and mm -hmm. it's, it still scares the hell out of me. And so I completely changed the review. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So I don't do that often. Did you make uh, them reprint your books? That had the original review in it. May I be, may I be frank? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did not. I counted on people keeping up with you know what we were doing year to year. Yeah, and then you could always mail out stickers, and then you could post over the review. You could do that. Good ideas. Yeah. I wish I'd had these ideas yeah. 10, 20 years ago. Where were you when I needed you? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a that's a really uh, interesting movie to like. Uh, uh, kind of change your opinion on for sure because it's also one of those things that um, a re-release you've changed in the years between you saw exactly. it one and exactly. the, the second time and um, 
you know, in some ways that movie was ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, seeing it again, you, you kind of pick up a lot of the stuff that you may have missed on the first time. I'm thinking right now that it's going to be really interesting and in some cases not in a positive way to revisit some movies in the wake of the Me Too and Time's Up right. movement. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, I, I remember movies where there are bosses chasing a secretary around a desk, and it was done comedically. Uh, you could you could look at uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. and find some. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you can look at damn near anything. Actually, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but I mean, some you know, some movies, some movie makers were more enlightened than others, mm-hmm. and some uh, did not use women as merely props in a plot line, and uh, even in a romantic comedy. And uh, so I'm thinking of His Girl Friday, one of my all-time favorite movies, yes. uh, directed by Howard Hawks and based on the great play The Front Page, where they uh, did a gender switch. Because in the original play by Ben Hecht and Charles MacArthur, uh, Hildy Johnson is a guy, a fast-talking, uh, scruple-free uh, a newspaper reporter, and in the original movie version, uh, he was played by Pat O'Brien, who mm-hmm. was a, at that time a great, fast-talking, wise guy type, and uh, and his editor was played by Adolf Manjou. And about a decade later, supposedly at a party, somebody got a hold of the play script of Front Page, and they were reading it just for fun aloud. It was a bunch of actors, and this is supposed this may be an apocryphal story but uh, a, a woman read the lead instead of a man and howard hawks said that's it we should do exactly that and they hired just the right woman rosalind russell to play the reporter and made it a, a romantic triangle because she's trying to get married to the uh, uh, dullard of all times played by ralph bellamy mm-hmm. when in fact she still has feelings for her boss uh, the really unscrupulous editor, played by Cary Grant. And that's a film that doesn't date. It is just a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Hilariously funny, uh, with some serious underpinning, but mm-hmm. but hilariously funny, with an incredible cast, top to bottom. And, and Rosalind Russell is uh, nobody's damsel in distress, not in that movie. So there are films like that that I'm sure still deliver the goods. And there are films much more recent, I would guess, that might cause some people to squirm. Hmm. Well, should we get into a couple let's movies get in, let's we saw get into over the weekend? Movies. Let's talk about it. Now, you saw Sorry to Bother You. I saw Sorry to Bother You, which... Which is weird that you would go for that over Equalizer 2. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. This very socially relevant movie, I would yeah. see that mm. instead of just this uh, bag of cliches. Yeah, um, an unnecessary sequel from an unnecessary film <laughs> that you you so, opted to pass on. From a mm-hmm. kind of obscure TV series. Yes. Um, sorry to bother you. Uh, the, the trailer, I don't want to say the trailer is misleading. The trailer just gives you a brief little taste. It kind of does almost too little. Well, the trailer also doesn't match the description in IMDb Not of the actual all. film. <laughs> now, does the, does the trailer emphasize it or try to portray it as a comedy? The trailer just shows it as a wacky comedy. This guy. This is what they always do. Yep. This is not a wacky comedy. It wasn't intended to be a wacky comedy, but they all have the same feeling. Comedy sells. 
So you, when you cut the trailer, you, you, you emphasize all the comedic facets or moments in the film. And then people go and say, I got hoodwinked. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I think it's, and I think they're probably like, well, because this movie is about workers' rights and slave labor and mm-hmm. the corporatocracy we live in. And, and doesn't it also have a fantasy element to it? It has an, an absolute fantasy element to it. It's, it's, it's amazing satire. It's really showing the world that we're living in right now with these massive corporations and these big CEOs making all this money and employees barely getting by. And, you know, they obviously take it to the extreme for comedic purposes, but it's really, it's a scathing portrait of capitalism. And they're, mm-hmm. they're very, they're all forming all these unions in the movie. And the ending, I don't want to give it away, is, is, is a pretty powerful and there's very funny moments. There's very, um, you know, there are this sort of kind of fantasy-esque moments and stuff like that. And like, this is a great thing. So Donald Glover was supposed to, was originally scheduled, but he couldn't because he was busy. So he recommended his Atlanta co-star, Lakeith Stanfield. And I, when I hear that, as much as I like Donald Glover, Lakeith Stanfield was perfectly cast. He's really good. He's great. And, you know, as this cog in the machine who gets the, the trappings of success mm-hmm. and all of that. I, I mean, I, I, I thought it's fantastic. I think it's a very fun movie, but also really it's very inventive filmmaking. And it was like very socially relevant. I thought, I wish I liked it better. Mm-hmm. I like things about it. There's a great scene. No spoiler here. Great scene with Danny Glover. Danny Glover has like one key uh, showcase scene mm-hmm. and he, he, he nails it. He just nails it. Uh, and that's a moment that I, I take with me that, that I remember uh, and, and will probably remember for a long time. You mean Lakeith Stanfield, the lead? No, I mean Danny Glover. Oh, Danny Glover. Oh, right, right. Yeah. His, that, his oh, cubicle mate. This cubicle, that, that he's fantastic. Yeah. He's great support. It's a great speech. And as I say, he nails it. Uh, I like Lakeith Stanfield, uh, but the film ran hot and cold for me. How so? When was when well, that there? Were, you know, the, 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 there were things about it that I thought worked, and there were other things I thought were either too heavy-handed hmm. or uh, well, maybe you need to see it in another twenty-five years. <laughs> good thought, <laughs> very good thought. I'm going to start a list right yeah. now. today. You've inspired me. I'm going to start a list today. So review in twenty-five years. Yes, but I'm not going to put it on a computer because that'll probably be obsolete. Right. So I'll, I'll use pencil. Yeah. <laughs> use pencil and a steno pad to remind myself. What are some of the scenes in the film, without giving away too much, that you sort of went cold for you? You sort of checked out or didn't? Uh I know this sounds silly, but it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen it, and I, uh, with uh, Comic Con in between, right? There's a lot to pro- there's a lot <laughs> oh, yeah, of movies yeah. to see. There's a lot of stuff to watch. Comic Con <laughs> creates a black brain hole. I found when I go, I'm like, oh, I've forgotten every other thing I was doing, and I'm like, did mm-hmm. I see that booth? Yeah. Was that this year's Comic Con? Yeah, was that three remember. years ago's yeah, Comic Con? Yeah. yeah, did I wait I, in this line? I went to a booth last year. It's, it's called Previews, mm-hmm. and they have. Uh, statues and maquettes and Mm -hmm. all sorts of neat stuff uh, based on various sci-fi fantasy characters. And they had something that just made my heart skip a beat. They had done a miniature version of an old-fashioned comedy uh, comic book spinner rack. Uh, If you don't know what a spinner rack is, look it up. Yeah, Google. (laughs) Uh, 
But this used to be in all... It used to be at the Five and Dime. The Five and Dime, the local candy store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, or the local drug store in some mm-hmm. cases. And it's what held the newest issues of all of your comics. favorite comics. And you spun it around and stared at them and all of that. They did a miniature that was maybe seven inches tall. They did miniature comic books oh, cool. that they slipped into all the slots. And then they had a white box that you could put next to it to hold the excess comic books. I said, this is fantastic. i got to have this. Uh, but Previews is a distributor. They're not the people who make it. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I followed up. In fact, I went to Amazon at one point where they were taking pre-orders. And this is just over a year ago. They never made it. Oh. They made a prototype. I guess it didn't sell, didn't mm-hmm. you know, get enough interest. And they never made the dark thing. Mm. I thought you were going to say. That's a sad story. <laughs> I don't mean to bring it down. Yeah. <laughs> the one maquette I saw or the, with all the maquettes and the models, they had them in the middle of the floor where you could walk through. Mm-hmm. They had so many of them. Oh, there, yeah. There was one that I really was like, oh, this is awesome. They had the Ghostbusters car, but it had yes. all the working lights on it. Oh, so nice. it was like, fl- yeah. like every light from the top to the side. But, but was it was huge. Flashing. It was huge. Yeah, it was like this big. So How big? It was like this big. So for our audio listeners, I'm holding a mm, couple feet, yeah. maybe something yeah. like that. So that was right. cool. Well, sorry to bother you. I, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's worth seeing. I'd be curious to know if other people took to it as much as I did, or if they felt hot and cold the way Leonard did. Right. And I will say this: there are some riot scenes in there, and a friend of the show, Eric Jacobus, uh, who we were on the Kung Fu panel with, yes. uh, is plays a riot cop and apparently and stunt choreographed it's stunt, yeah. i mean it's mm-hmm. it's it was really cool they shoot they shot it in oakland in 28 days mm-hmm. and um the actress is the lead actress from creed she's mm-hmm. a really strong actor Tessa really, thompson yes and um yeah it's really I, I i it's got really good social commentary and and race relations and class warfare and i, I i'm curious to see what other people think of it if they took to it the way I did or they thought, ah, it went mm. too far for me or whatever. Oh, and and um, Army Hammer. Oh, Army Hammer's playing, great. Playing the, uh, the, uh, the tycoon. Yeah, the tech, mm. hipster tech tycoon that's still yeah. crazy and evil and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much of a stretch that is for Army Hammer. <laughs> 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 yeah, Comes from a four family fortune. Yeah. 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 Good looking guy. Never. Has <laughs> yeah. Never struggled. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. moment of his yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> Born with a silver spoon factory yes. in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I saw a movie, How It Ends. And um, this is on. Uh, Netflix and but this this is one of those things like you know I I've, I have to start by saying I haven't been happy with the Netflix movies for I've seen a bunch of them and it's always feels like it's studio leftovers of like stuff that nobody else wants that you know Netflix eventually finds and it's interesting it's not a, it wasn't a cheap movie to make it was about a twenty million dollar budget and the storyline is that. There's an event that happens. You're not really sure what, but ultimately it's either an attack or uh, alien invasion. You're not sure. Like it's like something happens, and a guy's wife gets trapped in Seattle. He's in Chicago, and he doesn't get along with his father-in-law, and they decide together to go on a road trip to find her. So, but but in in this weird post-apocalyptic 
world, they're not even sure what's happening or what's going on. So this movie starts off fantastic. Like, it's really an interesting premise. Uh, Forrest Whitaker is amazing in it. He's a supporting role. He's the uh, father-in-law. He's just so and damn good. He's he's amazing. He's he's so good. And it's, you know, Forrest Whitaker has played some crazy roles in his He's time. also a producer, by the way, on Sorry to Bother You. Oh, is and he? And I think oh, has yeah. a cameo yeah. voice in it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so this is actually where... Um, it's a, it's a more reserved role for him. It's a father-in-law, ex-military. He's uh, protective of his daughter, doesn't like, you know, the future son-in-law. Um, so there's that tension and friction there. But he plays it in such a way where it's so engaging and so interesting and so grounded that you're like, you're riveted to watching him. His characters are never two-dimensional. Yeah. Even and, if the script is two-dimensional. And that's <laughs> that's where the problems start. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Uh, is where you have Forrest Whitaker is so good and so interesting, uh, but he's supporting. Then all of a sudden, he makes all of the other leads look awful. Ah. <laughs> and boring and two-dimensional and not interesting. And uh, Like LeBron James of the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really like this movie was like, oh, I think this is the one that's going to change my opinion on Netflix movies. And then about 30 to 40 minutes in, nope. It really, it just, ah, it goes bad. it goes off the rails. It goes, when I say goes off the rails, it literally goes nowhere. Like, it makes these weird creative decisions. I'm like, okay, road trip. Oh, they're uh, meeting people. They're picking somebody up. Oh, I guess this person's going to join their journey. Oh, no, they just left. So I guess not. So it's got these weird things in it. And then... The premise you describe sounds... Yeah. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Forrest yeah, Whitaker, exactly. some and sort of... Who else is yeah. in it? So, um... It was Theo James, uh, Theo James Cat, Graham. Cat Graham. They're like, I, I believe, TV actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. And uh, But then you also have the problem. Theo James is a good-looking attorney. He's the one that's going to marry Forrest Whitaker's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they play him up as this two-dimensional asshole. Like, he's at dinner with his uh, um, father-in-law. His father-in-law's riding him. Okay, but instead of taking it, like, he explodes and says, fuck. And, and I'm like, like, what... You're not a likable character. This is you're like ruining the likability of uh, your main lead. And as so um, now, I'm like, well, yeah, Forrest Whitaker's character was riding you, but it's his daughter, and, and it's, you're a dick. He yeah, was right. Now, 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 now I kind of see his point. Yeah. You shouldn't be marrying his daughter. Um, so you have this road trip that starts off, but also you have it like uh, you're not sure what's going on. There was an event. Um, you know, a lot of ash goes into the sky. You have uh, communications blackout, so it never gets explained what it is, which is interesting, and that can be fine. Uh, but also, the uh, limits of the budget start to appear when oh, there's a lot of driving with you as the only car on the road. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of uh, but if this was uh, a recent apocalypse, chances are more people would be driving trying to get places. <laughs> And uh, it wouldn't be Mad Max quite yet, but uh, there would be some other traffic going on. It'd be a uh, little. It would, yeah, we would yeah. see the the beginnings of Mad Maxian right, right. You, behavior. You, things would be a little more crowded <laughs> as people were panicking and this trying is, to this get This is your wish places. fulfillment version of the movie. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the movie progresses, and then the third act is just a mess. It goes nowhere, and like, and I started. I went to IMDb. Some of the IMDb reviews are so hilarious. And the uh, the joke that kept coming up over and over in the IMDb reviews is like, uh, how it ends, hilarious title for a film with no ending. So, 
so it, it it's one of those movies too that just stops. Nothing gets explained. Nothing gets re- you know resolved. Nothing. It just it just literally well, that, just that's ends. a bummer. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Why was like, I like, doing this? Like if I you said, were just gonna stop. Like there's even like a di- there's dialogue with this character like this unlikable um, uh, lead actor of like somebody explaining to him like well the power went out this is probably an enemy attack and he's going through the technology that probably would have been used to like create this kind of attack to knock out to not only you know detonate something in California but also to knock out all communications throughout the country and the guy explodes again like you don't know what's going on what the fuck don't you, you and he's like blows up and I'm like no he kind of had a point he was he was he's he sounds right and you're just being an asshole so it was like all these weird little character moments that they made the lead character so unlikable. I'm like, I don't know, you know. I, you have doused right. any interest in this movie yes. that <laughs> might have yeah. still existed. And Forrest Whitaker it was, uh, um, you know, you could say this about every movie. and should have been in it more. And uh, mm-hmm. but but you also, you, like, like I said, like the best way to watch this movie is to watch the first half shut it off, and then write the other half yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and then you will come up with a better second half of this I film. I think you've explained the, the problem with Netflix right there. Yeah. They go for their series, they find really inventive people and say, yes, do your thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Do the thing the way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Versus, let's go buy these scripts that nobody else wanted. Right, that are either leftover or completed films that we require that no one wanted. Right. Yeah, Cloverfield Paradox. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and that's exactly what this film, like, oh, this is exactly, you know, this is just another horrible Netflix film. Mm-hmm. So that it keeps following the same pattern over and over again. Like they just go find these movies that just couldn't get distribution elsewhere and scoop yeah. them up, or or they or they fund. You know, a lot of the, the some of them get funded. They, like, they, uh, they like, pre is that a word pre funded? Yeah, uh, they they have financed mm-hmm. from from the get go a number like, of movies. I think if scratch. I had to if I had to pick one that was the closest to being an actual movie that I saw on Netflix was probably Cargo with Martin Freeman, right. that uh, Australian zombie movie. Sure, but even then it was like we were talking about it before. It's like uh, that budget is like all right, we'll pay Morgan, we'll pay Martin Freeman, then whatever's left over we'll make the movie with. <laughs> so because that and that's how that one felt. But I uh, think the best one I've seen actually won the jury prize at Sundance last year, mm-hmm. which is I Don't Want to Live in This World Anymore, uh, with uh, Melanie Linsky. I don't feel at home in this world I, anymore. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Yes. Uh, with Melanie Linsky and Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good movie. That one I've actually seen. Okay. I'll, uh, uh, I would say that's probably one of the best Netflix movies mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and even that one had its had some problems, <laughs> for sure. That one I remember. That one kind of changed genres close to the end. Where a bit. it was, yeah, a bit. It was um, okay. So now we're you have to be willing to go on that ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be a little more forgiving. So Leonard, what else have you seen recently that you that stood out? Well, um, I think the, the the best film I've seen in, in a long time is Leave No Trace, mm. Deborah Granick's film with uh, Ben Foster. And uh, as, a, as, a, as a soldier who has PTSD and who has an adolescent daughter and whom he wants to protect at all costs, and he wants no contact with the government. 
He doesn't want to deal with an agency of any kind. He just wants to live off the grid with her mm-hmm. in, in the woods. In the like Pacific. in a cabin kind of thing? Uh, a variety of things. Kind of, mm-hmm. isn't he sort of um, nomadic, like sort of? He wants to. Yeah, yeah, a bit, because he, has to, he doesn't want to set down roots anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. And, and one of the reasons is that if he sets down roots, he'll be found. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of on the lam. Uh, every now and then they can settle someplace for a while, but inevitably, you know, somebody comes along. And, uh, and many of the people who we encounter really genuinely want to help him, mm-hmm. especially having a, a teenage daughter but, uh, who is devoted to him. But he, he, he doesn't want any of that. He doesn't want any of that. It's a very credible film, and Ben Foster is just sensational. He's man. such a great actor. Yeah, he is. And this is a great part for him. And it's written and directed by Deborah Granick, who made uh, uh, Close to the Bone, or Down to the Bone, with Vera Farmiga. That's how mm-hmm. I first saw her. And then Winter's Bone, which oh, introduced yeah. us all to Jennifer Lawrence and earned her an Academy Great. Award nomination. Great movie. And uh, so Granick and her writing partner, Ann Rossellini, they do really first-rate work. And this is one of the best films of the year so far. Oh, Isn't really? This, uh, yep. the director's uh, first work since Winter's Bone? I think she's done some television. Television, okay. You know, there's so much stuff being ground out for TV now. Mm -hmm. It's become a way for indie filmmakers to make a living, pay the rent. Right. In between their more personal, you know, film project. Mm -hmm. So if if for no other reason, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I saw the trailer for that. It looks great. I love Ben Foster. He's so engaging in everything that he does. Yeah. Um, And... He's so he's so varied in his performances. I think yeah. that's the thing I find. Here he's playing a vulnerable guy, mm. and, and and again, totally believable, totally. Uh, it's a really good movie. Leave no trace. Okay, he, I mean, and he, of course, uh, have you guys seen the Mister Rogers? Yeah, we talked about that last mm-hmm. week. That's a great documentary. It sure is, mm-hmm. and especially, I mean, for me, it meant a lot just because I grew up watching Mister Rogers, mm-hmm. and just liked it because it was the kid stuff. And then as an adult looking back and seeing, oh, this was his political stance. Right. He was a Christian Republican that took all of these these stances against war and against racism. And it was like, wow, it, it makes it makes the significance. You see how subversive it actually Oh, how subversive. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was actually a quiet radical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, because of his manner, I think, his demeanor, uh, uh, nobody really focused on that. Or, or he got, it was like a magician's misdirection. You know, he got away with a lot of things that somebody more strident, you know, or, or obvious uh, wouldn't have been able to do. He was, he was really, um, yeah, it, 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 it was amazing what he got away with. <laughs> when yeah, you look yeah. back at the time, yeah, you yeah, go, exactly. he got away with this. And I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time. Mm-mm. I'm a little older. I mean, I, I didn't. He wasn't my, my, I wasn't in the right demo at the right time, but I was always aware of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made a big impact on the popular culture. He was parodied, parodied a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I knew who he was and what he did, or I thought I knew what he did. Uh, this film is really eye-opening. It's, a, it's also, too, just everything that's, like we say, it's everything that's great about a documentary. It brings you yes. into a world and brings you information that you weren't aware of and shows somebody, like these historical documentaries where, they take some public figure and then show you the, the stuff about them you might not have known. 
from the people that were there with them, especially all the like the cast today talking back about yeah. <laughs> back then in the yeah. 60s and 70s. It was, yeah. it was pretty interesting. So I, uh, I also like Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, Gus Van Sant's new film with oh. Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. and uh, Jonah Hill. Uh, it's a, based on a true story about a cartoonist in Portland uh, and um, who was a quadriplegic and um, had a lot of issues, you know, a lot of problems, as anyone would, you know, in, in, that, in that tough situation, but who drew these wonderfully sardonic uh, cartoons uh, and enjoyed some success, too. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix, as usual, you know, just he just becomes that guy. Mm-hmm. He just becomes that. He inhabits that character, becomes that guy, and the story is very, very well told. And uh, it's it's a good, good, solid movie. All right, we'll All check right. it out. Leave no well, trace, and don't worry, <clears throat> he won't get uh, far on foot. <laughs> got a couple sponsors uh, today. Well, Graham. how about that? We got Casper mattresses. Oh, I slept uh, on mine last night. Yeah, how'd it go? This like, is still well? Still good. Can yeah, I ask, can I ask a big question? Yes, sir. Did it have just the right sink and just the right bounce? Yes, it did. <laughs> I'm just checking. <laughs> it is. Uh, now, you're on the original Casper because they have the Wave and the Essential now. Whoa. Ooh, I think it's yeah. time for my, me to get an upgrade. Yeah, you might. The waves <laughs> it's patent pending, premium support to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential has a streamlined design. So at a price that won't keep you up at night. And everything's made and developed in the U.S. Uh, the original Casper mattress uh, combines multiple support memory foam with a quality sleep surface with just the right amounts of both sink and bounce. I think we needed to say that twice, for sure. Um, and sink the, and bounce. Yeah, breathable design keeps you cool. Leonard and I are starting body. a comedy team. Sink and yeah. bounce. You're yeah. sink yeah. and bounce. Yeah. <laughs> And you spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. And it's affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. And the great thing is it's hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on a trial. And, uh, uh, but we're not going to let you pay full price, Graham. That would be crazy. We're not lunatics. No. We're not mean. No, this is, uh, you get this on select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. Get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash comedy film nerds and using uh, the promo code comedy film nerds at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That's $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash Comedy Film Nerds and using Comedy Film Nerds at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Now we got a new sponsor today, Graham. This is a uh, this is Shudder. S H U D D E R. This is a Do they have sink um, and bounce? They do. They do have sink and bounce. Yeah, but you have to watch it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is a horror streaming network. Ooh. And it's uh really cool. You can stream great thrillers, horror and suspense for 4.99 a month or 49.99 a year. It has the fastest growing uh, human curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. It's like the Netflix of horror. Um, you get uh, edge of your seat suspense. They're added weekly, and you have unlimited access to stream ad free in all your favorite devices. So, uh, it's what I like about it is that it's a collection of like exclusive and original films and series, but also it's got a lot of classics that right. you may have seen that you may want to check out again. Uh, and like, like I'll give you an example. Like, you know, Phantasm's on there. Oh, you know, and that's a classic horror movie. Uh, and but what I also like is that it's not. Um 
it's not just like oh gory horror movies that uh, the movie the documentary American movie is also on there which I loved if you remember that movie that's yes. about a bunch of hillbillies trying to make a horror movie and one of my favorite parts in that uh, movie was that there's trying to make a movie about witches and um, the filmmaker keeps calling it Coven and one of the actors is like, well, no, it's pronounced Coven. And he's like, what? No, it's Coven. I'm telling <sighs> you, it's Coven. So uh, there's a scene that's an entire argument about how to pronounce Coven. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's a great, great documentary, and you can check it out on Shudder. They also have Pi, which is one of my favorite uh, lo-fi, sci-fi mm-hmm. thriller movies. Um, and it's interesting, too, because... It's also, Pi is one of those movies that's kind of a snapshot in time because the equipment and the cost of filmmaking is not, wasn't as accessible as it is now. So, you know, one of the ways they save money too is, you know, they're shooting on black and white. It's mm-hmm. real low tech. Well, if I'm like, well, you know, now you can shoot a movie on your phone. You know, it's, it's, it's very different. But um, it doesn't, what I love about watching Pi again, it doesn't really even change the impact of the film. Like you can still... Um, it really still has a punch to it, which I right. really liked. It's, uh, you know, Darren Aronofsky's, Aronofsky's, ugh, Aaron, you guys can help me out on that. Aronofsky. Aronofsky. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, one of his, um, it's his first film. So here's the deal. Uh, you get a free 30 days of streaming. Try it for free. You got nothing to lose. Nothing. Nothing. So uh, go to shutter.com. That's shutter, S-H-U-D-D-E-R. Uh, not that's on your windows shutter as in you're scared <laughs> so remember that for spelling as h-u-d-d-e-r slash it's a horror movie site guys yes, make the yeah. can make the logical yeah. leap yeah. in Pod. terms of <laughs> so it's shutter.com slash podcast and use the promo code com- promo code comedy film nerds so shutter.com slash type podcast. in the whole title of the podcast and uh you have to do the promo code yes comedy film nerds we really want you to without understand spaces what yes. you're listening to <laughs> <laughs> we want it so ingrained in your brain that you know how to spell the yes. full title mm-hmm. have you guys seen my favorite comedy of the year no which one the death of stalin no, no. how is that? that? Oh, it's fantastic. Now, that is a Netflix movie, too, right? Or... Uh, they may have a... Qua- no, 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 no. It's an IFC film. That's right, that's mm-hmm. right. It's an IFC film. It's written and uh, co-written and directed by Armando Iannucci, uh, the uh, genius, in my opinion, uh, who created Veep. Oh. And before that, uh, did a show, a similar political satire in England called The Thick of It, which you can also mm-hmm. find online. And in between, he did a show called In the Loop, uh, a movie called In the Loop. That was his mm-hmm. feature film that kind of bridges the gap from his British show to his American show, V. He's, he's just fantastic. And he works with the same uh, comedy writing team that, mm-hmm. uh, for years and years now. And The Death of Stalin is based on a series of uh, graphic novels uh, about the aftermath of Stalin's death. And the maneuvering among his Politburo for who's going to get to, you know, right. be the new chief. Now, I wouldn't think of casting Steve Buscemi as Nikita Khrushchev, but he did. And uh, <laughs> That's interesting casting. And, he, and he's great. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, it, and it will continue to make you laugh. I mean, and, and um, Michael Palin is in it. Oh, wow. And uh, Patty Considine and uh, Jeffrey Tambor. And uh, just lots and lots of really talented people. Oh, and Jason Isaacs, who's great. Uh, it's 
it made me laugh out loud. And I saw it a second time. I showed it at my class at USC, and I watched it a second time and enjoyed it all over oh, again. Oh, nice. It's smart. It's funny. It's gut funny. Uh, and, uh, and most of it, apparently, is true. No. Wow. I mean, he extrapolated from sure, the truth. Sure. You know, he invented dialogue and situations. But, but the, the bare bones are apparently real. The, all the jockeying and the yeah. maneuvering was uh-huh. all, that's uh-huh. hilarious. Well, it doesn't surprise me because there's no. all, when somebody like that dies, there's always a huge power vacuum and there's going right. to be some. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, it's. Who's it's, the next dictator? It's shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, it's terrific. The death of Stalin. Death of Stalin. To check it out. You know what, Graham? We also have some Patreon uh, some sponsors. I love the Patreon sponsors. Yep. Now, this is at the $50 level of Patreon. You get your. Uh, your URL and your whatever it is you're promoting mentioned on every single episode. Like Johnny Rulon still's got his uh, novel Green Cheek, a junkie's guide to street magic that's at Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It is an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her immortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com. That's happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And our uh, favorite charity, the Audacity Performing Arts Project, which which produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and the lowest performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please visit them at cfn.audacityperformingarts.org. That's cfn.audacityperformingarts.org. All right, boom. Let's do some trailers, Graham. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. do some trailers. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh. And uh, by the way, at Comic-Con, uh, Johnny Depp made a surprise appearance for Fantastic Beasts huh. and had to steer clear of Amber Heard uh, on the Aquaman panel. They, nice. I think they had to coordinate a little bit there. Right, did he have a crow on his head? Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's Fantastic. He oh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters? This is not what I want. What's going on? That was also previewed, the though. Yes, we're going we're gonna to talk about that one uh, at the Comic-Con episode. All right, here we go. Okay. Fantastic Beasts 2. There's got to be five of these movies. I'm scared, Professor. Maybe ten. Really? Do you hear ten? No. No. I believed it. I'm like, if they keep making money, they'll keep making them. That's my feeling. Yes. You're up next. That's an unusual one. What Mr. Scamander fears above everything else is... Having to work in an office, sir. Mm. I like how Jude Law in a flashback looks exactly like he does in the uh, present Ridiculous. timeline, too. Magic. By the way, Warner Louise. Brothers logo now says Warner Media. Only. That's just the past few weeks since the merger. Ooh. AT&T merger. So that went through. Sculpting shadows. Honestly, I feel like this is the movie Johnny Depp needs. <laughs> but the old ways serve us no longer. I take it. You've heard the rumors. Grindelwald had a vision that he would rise to dominance over the wizarding world. One of the things he tries to do in this movie help. is uh, magically remove the Lone Ranger from his resume. <laughs> <laughs> I've removed it from the <laughs> It has to be you. In your shoes, I'd probably refuse to. It's late. 
Good evening, Newt. Oh, come on. Trailer's still going. (laughs) You haven't seen enough Fantastic Beasts yet. Yes. Is a key to our victory. They will overtake our world. Muggles are not lesser. Not disposable. You're too good, Newt. You never met a monster you couldn't love. Freedus! Actually, this is a longer trailer than I saw before. You must have gotten some kind of extended European trailer. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we've seen enough. Yeah. Um, there's a, oh, there's a, looks like there was a punchline coming up. No. I'm sure it's too far to go. Yeah. It's been too, oh, it's a five and a half minute. It's a five and a half minute trailer. Yeah, that's, that's enough. That's the whole I, I, I'm, I'm done after two. I'm good. I get two yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, I got it. A bunch of beasts are floating around. I got to do some yep, crazy. There's going to be an evil magician that yeah, uh, this guy's Newt over- has to yeah, uh, overtake fight. the thing with the guy, and this guy's Dumbledore gotta, can't help. Sure, right. Has to be him. Yeah. Glibnorb's got to do the bing bang yeah. with the special stick. <laughs> Grams is not as uh, big a fan of fantasy as I am. Uh huh. The so. term would be doesn't can't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I'll tell you I, I saw the first one I liked it the uh, it definitely had some tonal issues with it for sure uh, but what I do like about this is that J.K. Uh, Rowling is actually involved in them. Yes. So. Uh, I'm curious to see where this one goes for sure. And I'm also very curious to see how they're going to get five out of these. Like, I really <laughs> felt like this is okay. One or two would be good. I don't know about five. So, uh, did you see the first one? I did. And I, mm-hmm. I liked it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I thought mm-hmm. it was a cool mix of like fantasy, historical, mm-hmm. like great production design and interesting, uh, characters. So, uh, like I said, I just thought it tonally shifted a little weird in a couple mm-hmm. places. But yeah, it wants wants to be all things to all people. Right, right. So uh, I'm curious. Which is to the see great. This... this is the that's a surefire way for a movie to not work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very true. So we'll see how the uh, know your demo. Does. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. As they say, fight your weight. Yeah. <laughs> so the next movie is uh, Cutthroat City, also uh, put out by Welco, who also does all the trailers for uh rick myers's kung fu movie extract yeah well goes awesome every mm-hmm. year that we do the um the uh try to find the 10 minute cut of it too graham yeah, <laughs> 40 minute uh, trailer <laughs> why is this such a thing oh boy this is really becoming an area that i'm it's got a great cast too it's like you know wesley snipes Ted, yeah. terrence howard and there's a bunch of people in it and cat graham who's also in, yes you know one of the earlier films we were discussing. Mm-hmm. How'd you get inside this prison? Skip video, skip video, skip video, skip video. Wait till it pops out. Have you noticed every film has to have at least four logos at the beginning? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. At least. The storm mm-hmm. did come. Even if three are made up, it has to have four. We was underwater before Katrina. And they rebuilding all this. What about us? Damn, we all broke, man. 
FEMA's a goddamn joke. So it's, it's set during Katrina. Maybe you're a talented, educated black man. Well, none of that matter. Nah, because I'm still in the night what? What are we gonna do? With FEMA here and no cops, we all need the money. But we ain't no gangsters. Could be our only option. I'm gonna guess a heist is coming up. Purification. You have good intuition. Yeah. You black Maybe you just seen too many. Yeah. You recognize what you up against. Can't run away from it. I feel like they just took footage of Terrence Howard from uh, Empire. You won't have to deal with it. I had the pleasure of interviewing Rissa. Mm-hmm. How did that? For our uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, my daughter and I. What did he say about the film? Uh, as much as he could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's, you know, he's really dedicated to being a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And, and he's done it before. You know, mm-hmm. he, has a, he has a very impressive resume. Also, he's acted a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got a huge resume on IMDb. And, um, Isn't he in a martial arts movie? Yeah. yeah. The one with Russell Crowe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a huge martial mm-hmm. art movie fan. Yes, right. he is. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. Uh, this is a heist movie mm-hmm. uh, with a you know with a true life backdrop, and I think a most provocative one. You know, uh, Katrina is still a, like a fresh wound, uh, certainly for people in New Orleans, right? And and that that area of uh, of our country, uh, but it, it's so it's become symbolic too uh, of the class struggle and you know r- racial. Uh, 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 Inflamed racial, you know, feelings on both sides uh, of that fence. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, and I was very taken with him. He was not only uh, very nice to talk to and interesting to talk to, but uh, you can feel the enthusiasm that he has. And I, I two of his actors were there too: Cat Graham, mm-hmm. uh, the aforementioned Cat Graham, and Shamik Moore, and and they seem totally in sync with him. And uh, uh, I think they're. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy who wins over his collaborators, right. And gets them to be on his team, right. So they're all playing the same game, you mm-hmm. know. If I'm not mixing my metaphors, no, it's critical though. I think yeah. as a filmmaker, I mean, we've talked about this, and I'm sure you, you know, all the movies you've watched, you can tell when like it's off. You can tell when a movie's made and they just weren't on the same page. You yeah, can right. really see it. It just comes across on so many levels. I watched this trailer and I'm intrigued because um, I like heist movies, but mm-hmm. like you say, the I like a heist movie that has this backdrop of yeah. the social and political ramifications of the handling and or mishandling of Katrina. Mm-hmm. You know, like what what created this crime wave in New Orleans? Mm-hmm. You know, all of the stuff leading up to it, all the, the, the that wasn't happening, and and then you know, the arguments that have been made. I mean, the Spike Lee did the document, like all the stuff about like, was it a land grab? Well, you know, like, right. are they using to just, we'll just get the poor people out of here, you know, like, and so to see these then personal stories within that, I, I always find that an interesting, it's like that movie I talked about that came out a while ago or earlier in the year, Gook, um, 
where it was set in the riots of LA and mm. the big the bigger issue of the the Koreans and Africans Americans not getting along but it took this very personal story to tell that within the middle of this of mm-hmm. the Rodney King riots right and i think those are really interesting stories well, I'll tell and they're you. personal too because yeah. that's that's usually the filmmakers went through it or felt it or there, know people or and there's a ton of stories from Katrina mm-hmm. for sure like, oh yeah we'll be seeing those 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 will be uh, providing fodder, I think, yeah. for for storytellers and for movie I, I remember uh, after Ka- after Katrina, I had uh, I was playing the improv down in New Orleans, and uh, one of the the there's a plum the guys, gig, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, it was at the Harris, and I remember one of the guys was one of the sound guys or um, one of the managers there was saying, yeah, I had an apartment there, and and Katrina just came in and wiped out, you know, everyone the, the had high, a story, yeah, and. Uh, he took me down there because I wanted to see it. He took me to his old apartment and we went through all the different rooms just to see like how water can completely devastate an entire apartment in literally seconds. Yeah. Like he was showing me, you know, everything from furniture to like books on his bookshelf, everything is gone and ruined. The water lines. Yeah. You would see the water lines. When I worked, I worked there in, at the New Orleans Improv a year after Katrina mm-hmm. and Jody Borello. Yeah, took me and some other comics down because I hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. And I had at that point been to Afghanistan twice. And I was like, this looks like when I drove through Kabul. Right. Like yeah. bombed out. And then the X's on the thing and the, this th- that number means, oh, that's the number of bodies they found. And I volunteered for two days and I was at, at gutting houses. And I was, I was m- m- really furious because I like a year later... In the richest country in the history of the world, we literally, it was like me and some nursing students. I was like, eight college kids and a comedian. This is the, this is the best that we've got to fix this problem a year right. later. Mm-hmm. And so it was really yeah, like... You guys, you're, you're not FEMA. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It was literally in these abandoned houses and just like, I was like blown away. So the fact that that's the backdrop of this story, having like you, you as well, and a bunch of us comics that worked mm-hmm. that club, we all sort of went and saw it. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was like a non-for-profit organization that I was volunteering for and, and they were going off of donations and like handouts and it was just like, what? Mm -hmm. And so I'm, that makes me want to see this movie even more. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. So, all right. And DVD and Blu-ray, we have uh, Ready Player One. So this was. What did you uh, think of this, Leonard? mm -hmm. Did you like Ready Player One? Better than I expected to, Mm because I'm not a gamer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if it would leave me out in the cold, you know, but it didn't. It, no. it sort of won me over. And Spielberg then it, brings it, you in. Yeah, and then it just kept going. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, it, it was a, you know, kind of like a chart. You could graph it. Uh, I did enjoy it for a while, for a long while. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, uh, all right, I've seen it now. Can we can we wrap this up? Mm-hmm. It was just you know that's just one man's opinion. That's that's it. Right. Also, I, I I'm sort of intrigued about having the new Blu-ray because, like in one of the big widescreen shots where all these characters are racing toward the camera, all I could see was Marvin the Martian. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite Looney Tunes characters. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there were 50 other characters that in the same shot that I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of interested to do a little. Rewinding. Yeah, it was like Easter yeah. egg the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So uh, I, and I, I've, I've encouraged this before. I've said if you enjoyed the film, check out the book because the book is really, really fun. And mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's different than the film. Uh, and it's, it goes into kind of like the more backstory of the world and the economy and how things work. Uh, so you get a little more detail. I'm in that camp because I've never yeah, read yeah. the book. And I like the movie. It had some interesting mm-hmm. stuff in it. But, mm-hmm. but it, it, the book oh, makes more that, sense. That when poor it's woman with the terrible disfigurement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. How does she get up in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> face yourself with that mm-hmm. horrifying yeah. Phantom of the Opera-like yeah. <laughs> disfigurement. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wait a, a minute. She's beautiful. Oh, right. 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 It was a Hollywood oh, disfigurement. Yeah, yeah Hollywood right. ugly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, one thing we wanted to mention here, unfortunately, we have some uh, sad news to report. Um, uh, John Schnepp, who we've had on the show and is the director of The, uh, the Death of Superman Lives, uh, passed away the la- over the last couple of days and from a, I believe it was a, a stroke. So we we're sorry to report that. He's uh, also, you may have seen him on Collider, but we had him on the show. We want to just kind of wish uh, love to his family and uh, support because they also have a ton of medical bills right now. And if mm-hmm. you guys want to help out with those, uh, you can do a Google search. And I, th- I think they have uh, actually a couple funds set up to help with those. So uh, John Schnepp, uh, rest in peace. All right. Um, and uh, uh, premiering this week, we have uh, Mission Impossible uh, Fallout. Leonard, what, have, what, what you see this trailer? What do you think? You've seen the other ones? I've actually seen the movie, but I'm not allowed to talk about it yet. Ah. I don't break review dates. So. What, is there anything you can say? That Tom Cruise can sure run. <laughs> Man, can that guy run? And if you didn't think so before, mm-hmm. wait till you see this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a spoiler. I think, no. I think it's, yeah. Is it a, one of the great things in an action movie where he yells run while saying, while running? Uh, I don't remember any yelling. I think it's, okay. he's mostly focusing like on Jurassic the run. Like Jurassic Park when Chris, Chris Pratt is like, run, and yeah. then everybody's running. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm ex- I, actually, this trailer, I'm more excited to see this Mission Impossible than the last one based on the trailer. I was at the Arclight. Um, that's where I saw uh, Sorry to Bother You, and they did a, mm-hmm. like one of their behind-the-scenes for Mission mm-hmm. Impossible, mm-hmm. and Tom Cruise is like, I trained for 18 months on how to fly a helicopter. Yeah. So he's flying the helicopter around there, which is like, God, what a crazy rich person. Right. <laughs> and it just makes me, he's so committed. Like, yeah. I think his goal is he's like. flying around Army Hammer. Yes. I think he's like, I got to die in a stunt. Yeah. yeah. I think he's like, I want to just take it bigger. And if I blow up, great. Yeah. That's how I want to be remembered. That's how I want to go. Yeah. Blowing out for Mission Impossible 14. I'll tell you, I, I've never loved these, this franchise or these movies. I thought some of them have been pretty good. A couple of them have been not so good. Uh but this, after seeing this trailer, this is the one I'm most excited about. This it's, one, this one's got me the most excited. It's eating pop, you know, cotton candy on a roller mm-hmm. coaster. They're, they're fun at the time. I can't, yeah. re- I can't tell you anything from no. any of the other ones that happened. Mm-hmm. I don't go. Oh, I remember that one scene. I just always go, yeah, those were fun. Now, is this the one where he has superpowers after fighting the mumming? Sure. Is this, yeah, yeah, got- yeah, that happens. <laughs> I'll tell you, well, you know, the team is back. Oh, thank God, mm-hmm. the team is mm-hmm. back. <laughs> I don't think I have to say any more. Yeah. More reason to go. <laughs> yeah. And the other movie that's coming out this week is Teen Titans Go to the movies, obviously based on the uh, the TV show Teen Titans Go. 
Uh, this this trailer made me laugh. It looks funny. It's got a, a lot of great jokes in it. I think this is kind of a Deadpool for kids. Uh, it really feels that way. Uh, and, and is that is that on the movie card? Yeah, it really Deadpool should be Deadpool for kids. Yeah. The uh, the tr- the tagline is the superhero movie to end all superhero movies. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, they make fun of everything from Aquaman to, like, uh, hey, Green Lantern, I had a movie made about me, but we don't really talk about that. It looks funny. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, have you seen this one yet? Nope. Okay. Um, Is Tom Cruise running it? So, we don't know. Yeah, I don't don't know. know. Yeah. So, uh, what's interesting, too, from a, a, a technology standpoint... It's very, very, very rare anymore that a 2D animated movie gets a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see from that perspective, too, because the uh, conventional wisdom is, oh, that's not for the big screen. Everything has to be 3D. You can't right. make a 2D animated movie for the big screen anymore. Well, if you've got, but you've got a proven franchise with this show. Yeah, right. And that may mm. make the difference. And also, I think it's it's a uh, it, it's a false argument anyway. I mean, they re-released The Lion King in theaters, and it made like $100 million. Sure, of it's, course. Yeah. So I don't think the animation... I uh, think it's the story. Yeah, yeah, of story. course. If you care about the story, if you care about yeah. the characters... You're not going to care how it's yeah. animated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Another small film opening this, this week is called Puzzle. Mm-hmm. And it stars the great uh, actress Kelly MacDonald. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if, you, if the name isn't familiar, the face certainly is. She's been in tons of movies and high-end television shows on both sides of the Atlantic. She burst onto the scene in Train Spotting more than 20 years ago oh. and hasn't looked back. She, she's awfully good, and this is a great showcase for her. If you like her, as I do, and my daughter and I got to interview her for our podcast. That, that's the current podcast running, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, is with Kelly, and mm. uh, she was a delightful guest, and uh, and the film is worth seeing for her. All right, good to see. So, all right. So, Leonard, that's our show. Where can yeah. people listen to you? Find you on the internet? Anything coming up? Well, you go to Malton Non Movies to find uh, our podcast, which this Friday will be the RZA episode. Perfect. Mm. The long-awaited, mm-hmm. uh, eagerly anticipated RZA episode. And right now, we're, uh, our, all our shows are posted forever, so that you can mm-hmm. hear them all. And currently, Kelly McDonald. On August 4th, we're, my daughter Jessie and I are making our debut appearance at the Cine Lounge in Hollywood. Uh, an evening of fun, laughter, gaiety, and, uh, <laughs> and general uh, high spirits. So... Top hat and kales. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And we'll be serving kale salad. Yeah. <laughs> prior to the uh, prior to the event, mm-hmm. so that everybody you know learns to eat healthy. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Get we your won't room. be, yeah. but the yes. audience yeah. will be indulgent. I want an well, audience that's they had deserve a lot. it. Yeah, I want mm-hmm. them to have kind of a lot of roughage. Yeah. And if I mm-hmm. if I'm not being plug greedy, no. I also mm-hmm. have a brand new book called Hooked on Hollywood. It's a uh, paperback anthology, almost 400 pages, of articles and interviews I've done since I was a teenager. I love Going it. back over the decades. And a lot of interesting people that you'll get to encounter. That sounds uh, great. Not people you've necessarily heard of, sort of behind-the-scenes folks, mm-hmm. but who were part of Hollywood's golden age. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, also, uh, Leonard, would you do, a- after the show, would you do a little movie recommendation for us, for our Patreon subscribers? Sure. Excellent. Perfect. So if you're a Patreon subscriber at, what, the $5 level, yeah, you're going to get a little bonus. Uh, little movie recommendation. Um, 
Well, guys, uh, I will be in Seattle doing Political Vigilante Live August 9th and stand-up comedy August 11th. August 10th, I'm going to see Pearl Jam. Nice. Um, we will be doing Comedy Film Nerds Trailer Park Show uh, August 25th at Dynasty Typewriter. All these tour dates and everything are at GrahamElwood.com. The Trailer Park Show is the thing we've always done at PodFest. Basically, we're going to get about you know seven or eight movie trailers some good, some really bad, mm -hmm. a couple of comedian friends of ours, and we're going to sit there and make comments, and it, it'll be a fun show. It's Saturday night, August 25th at Dynasty Typewriter. So check all of those. And tickets are on sale now, right? Tickets are on you sale could... now. Like I said, if you mm -hmm. go to GrahamElwood.com, there's links to all of these shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're in L.A., please come out, because we want to do more shows at Dynasty Typewriter. So if we right. have a good turnout. We it, can do more. We can do more. If seven mm -hmm. people show up, won't. We yeah. won't do them. We may do less. We might do less. Yeah. <laughs> like, never again, kind, yeah. of, kind of less. Um, but yeah, so come out. It's also <clears throat> Dynasty Typewriters, this <clears throat> theater that's only been open <clears throat> since January. Jamie <clears throat> Flam, that used to be the creative director at the Hollywood Improv, <clears throat> started this theater with Vanessa Raglan, and it's really awesome. They have really inventive, cool comedy shows at the theater. It's um, kind of Koreatown area. It's, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a really old theater that they've remodeled and made so there's a cool vibe to it right and it's just it's the newest it's largo east is what they're calling it oh cool so it's it's pretty awesome so and i want to mention too my uh, graphic novel is uh, finally done from the kickstarter if you uh ordered a digital reward you should have gotten that already a link to it and the uh, physical rewards are being printed now so they should be done and then they will be in the comedy film nerd store once they are printed that's long ago and far away and uh, also want to mention we have new comedy film nerds t-shirts with oh, the, logo. the new logo and now the new logo is starting to show up on our episodes so you can kind of check it out and see what it looks like it's really cool it's a, the, a version of it on the t-shirt the other thing i wanted to mention too is if you're a crab feast fan i know we have a lot of crossover audience mm -hmm. uh, all their t-shirts are now limited editions on our site so uh, get them while you can because we will not be reordering any of the sizes. Nope. So uh, if you're a Crab Feast fan, uh, get the shirts now because they will sell out. That's our episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Leonard Malton, for being on the show. My pleasure. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot, shot first. R.I.P. John Schnepp.